Hello, and welcome to ASMR Tirar de Huevo. Are you hoping to calm your mind, relax your body, or experience ASMR? Dr. Andrew Michaels is here to help you. Today, you have stopped in for a visit with your friend, Dr. Andrew Michaels. You are always welcome, and he invites you in for a conversation that, knowing him, could go in any direction. Hello. How are you today? I hope you're well. It's been a long time since I've had the opportunity to talk to you, especially in private as it is. Well, at least it feels that way, doesn't it? It always does after a holiday weekend, being that Halloween was on a Sunday and there was just so much to do and so much pent-up energy to get out. It was wonderful, wasn't it? The pandemic is really for most purposes pretty much over at this point if you took the time to get vaccinated and wore your mask and stayed away from people your community's probably pretty much back to normal by now I know there's pockets of problems but for the most part, everybody is returning to normal, and that's a good thing. I'm glad I'm here with you today. I'm glad I'm able to share this time with you and talk to you a little bit about some of the characters that I mentioned in our last story for Halloween. I inadvertently told you a true story. As funny as that sounds. By accident, I told you about the unseen among us. I'm sorry for that because I'm going to frighten a lot of people with this story that I'm going to tell you right now. There are those among us who are unseen by most. There's not really 
anything supernatural about them per se, like they're not casting spells, they're not wearing some alien technology that hides them from everyone, they're not in possession of some ultra-high secret military stealth technology. They're just unseen. They have developed over generations the ability to hide in plain sight. And the unseen could be sitting right by you on a bench, walk right by you in a mall, They could be walking right around you in a parking lot. You're too busy with your day-to-day schedule and you're looking for your keys. Trying to remember if you brought your debit card and your wallet or did you leave it at home on the counter. Did you remember to get gas? Did you forget to get gas? Did you forget to pay the cable bill? Did she pay the electric bill or am I supposed to pay it? And it goes on and on. And your thoughts are possessed, for lack of a better term, by the lifestyles we all live. We literally carry our entire human tribe in our pocket, on our cell phones, all our addresses, phone numbers, messages, birthday wishes, all carried in our pocket, and we have only made it easier for the unseen to remain that way, invisible, right before our very eyes. They take advantage of that. They Wait for those who forget to lock their cars, those who leave expensive packages or groceries on the seat. I'll only be in a minute. I'll only be in there a minute. And you come out and your car's been raided. The unseen are, for the most part, Ominous, but harmless. They don't choose to frighten us on purpose. Fear is their last line of defense. And truthfully, their only line of defense. They prefer to move about society and operate within the margins of it, invisible, undetected, and largely forgotten. But they possess the skills and the techniques of world-class thieves, 
Like I said, the ability to hide in plain sight through clothing, covering up odors and smells, making themselves look comely, downright ugly, frightening appearances, looking disheveled, sick, manic, acting manic. These things help people ignore them to the point where they forget they're even there. And they've operated this way for generations upon generations, operating around humanity as travelers, sometimes called hobos, sometimes called bums. Wrongly referred to as homeless, they are not <laughs> at all homeless. But they prefer to live on the fringes of society, hoarding their money, not wasting it on expensive rent or car payments. Why should they when they can just take that which is free and freely given by those around them? The bounty and the surplus of society leaves many places, many homes, many cars available for the traveling unseen among us to take when they need and leave it for when they don't. Have you ever gotten your car and it had a smell or an odor to it that didn't make sense, that didn't jive with anything in your life that seemed odd or wrong or out of place or things were misplaced and moved in your home beds look like they were slept on but the sheets are still the way you left them you thought there was more food left in your refrigerator than when you left and when you return might have been hit by the unseen. And like I said, they're predominantly harmless. But there is a time and a place when they are not harmless, where they get downright angry, where they get downright obscene. And sadly, they will do what they must to correct this problem that makes them so irate. And that problem is when a child can see them, when a child who's not jaded by society can point and look and talk to them, point them out, ask questions, draw constant attention to them, get others to see them. This is infuriating. 
to the unseen among us. And it causes a most violent reaction. And we're not talking about a young child who can see the undead, like in the sixth sense. The young boy going, I see dead people. I wonder if M. Night Shyamalan got that idea from growing up in eastern Pennsylvania near the Philadelphia area, not far from where I grew up in Youngstown area. There were many unseen in the northeast part of the United States. And did he actually mean to say, I see unseen people, I see those among us, the ones that walk among us. Who are those people over there? As I told you in my last video, they wear all black clothing, suits and dresses that look like they're coming from some strange funeral parlor that they just attended a funeral and they're wearing a suit that somebody gave them two sizes too big or they are made up for a haunted hayride somewhere around Halloween time their face is always so dirty unshaven unkempt the women black-eyed, mascara around their eyes. They were goth before goth was goth. <laughs> their dresses look like they're out of time, like something someone would wear in the Great Depression of 1930 or out of some Victorian magazine in the 19th century. Nothing adds up with them. Nothing makes sense. They're unclean, unkempt, dirty-looking. You know, you don't like to judge people by their appearance, but they're wanting you to be put off by their appearance. They want you to be put off by their smell. They want you to look away, to not give them another look, to put them out of your mind. And as they grow older and more successful at their craft as master thieves and pickpockets and con men of the highest order, they slowly recede into the back ground of society until they are truly invisible among us. You know where this story is about to go. When I was a young boy, I could see them. Even as a young boy, they look like anachronisms, people out of place, anachronistic 
dress, clothing, and actions, they look like hobos jumping off of a rail car in some long-ago black-and-white Laurel and Hardy movie. They look like some scary hobo from A Little Rascal's short jumping out of from behind a dumpster, ready to attack. Yum, yum, eat em up. And they didn't fit. They didn't look right. They looked odd. And as a little boy, I would point them out. And I kept pointing them out. And I would make them so mad. And of course I would make my mother furious because she didn't want them to bother us. Don't make eye contact. Don't look at them. It didn't take long to realize my mother and my siblings could see them too. And this was quite disconcerting for the unseen, the rationalization that literally this whole family could see them. We would walk up and want to donate money to them. It wasn't their purpose. They were casing people walking in and out of the store. They weren't looking for free change. And we were picking them out, dropping money in their hat standing in front of them, looking at them, watching them. They would go into their routine of playing an accordion or a small stringed instrument to distract us, to get us to move along. But we wouldn't. We were enamored by how weird and strange and what are they, who are they, where'd they come from? And my mother would be so upset and frustrated, even back then. Why are you giving them your money? You're just drawing attention to us. And my mother wouldn't answer me. Why? If she could see them and everybody else was walking by, well, why can't we tell somebody? Why don't you want us talking about it? And she was right. We kept talking about it. We kept asking questions. And my dad would say, they're hobos, they're bums, don't talk to them. And while he's at work, there would be a knock at the door. One of these traveling vagabonds at our door. They would come alone. But they weren't alone. We could easily see there was others with them hiding in the bushes behind the garage. But only one would come up to the door. My mother would be insanely angry at us. Don't open the door. Don't give them anything. Don't talk to them. Don't make eye contact. Don't make a sound. We would lay down on the floor of the living room with the drapes shut. Be quiet till they leave. Just lay down and be quiet. 
they'll go away. And they would knock on the door quite loudly, pounding on it even. Our house was well secured. They would have to break a window to get in. There was no kicking in the deadbolt. My father had the house very well secured. So basically they had no choice but to force the issue or leave, and they chose to leave. And it was always the same thing. My mother would tell us not to tell my father. Don't tell him. Quit pointing at them. Quit looking at them. Quit talking to them. Quit giving them money. Now you have to understand, even as a child, and this was back in the mid-early 70s, 72, 73, 74, when we made these mistakes. My mother would take us to Hill's department store or the mall or the grocery store or to a store where she wanted to um, go get a special. You know, they had coupon specials and you had to go 20, 25 minutes away to a specific store that wasn't in our area because we lived kind of out in the country a little bit to get this special. And that's when we would see these people. But we started to lure them to our area because they wanted to know how a whole family could see them. My mother knew about them. And they knew that. Why was this adult able to see us? Her husband couldn't, but she could. And it incensed them. But they couldn't quite prove it. And they couldn't understand it. To give away a secret, I don't understand it myself. But my mother's family, all of them, could not only see them, they could detect them. And the men in my mother's family, the ones that were directly related to her, oh, they were not afraid of them. And to prove this point, my mother called my granddad. World War II veteran, very nice man. The sweetest, kindest, little white-haired grandfather anybody ever had. He chewed Copenhagen snuff. They didn't really chew it. We called it chew, but really they just make a pocket of it and stick it down in their lip. And he loved his Copenhagen. And not skull. Copenhagen, and he always had a uh, little tin of dip. He called it dip in his pocket, in his shirt pocket. So he had to have a shirt with a pocket on it. And she called my granddad, and his name was, nickname was Skip. And Skip was a great guy. I talk about him a little bit. He was in World War II, as I mentioned, and he was a uh, great-grandfather to many children, and his all of his kids loved him. They loved Skip. And 
we called him Skip because that's what my dad called him. And a lot of other guys did too. But my mom called him Daddy, so we knew he was her dad and Grandpa, but we called him Skip. I remember we were little kids. and Hey, Skip, where are we going to go? So my mom had to go to the doctor and... My dad was at work, and back then we only had one car. People, a lot of people only had one car back in the 70s. And my dad was at work, and she had to go to the doctor, and my mom told my grandpa that she needed a ride, and he came and got us, took all of us kids, all three of us, little boys, and put us in the car, and then he drove my mom to the doctor, and on the way to the doctor's, my mom was telling him about how we were looking at the unseen, these bums and hobos, and luring them back to the house and that they were bothering her. And I'll never forget this. My grandfather said, don't worry, I'll take care of it. So he dropped her off at the doctor's, which we had to go down to... uh, towards Youngstown, but it was a suburb of Youngstown. Gerard was where the doctor was, and then we went down into Youngstown with my granddad. Three little boys in the back seat of his car went down to the east side of Youngstown, which was not a great neighborhood, and my grandfather drove right up to some of these unseen. They were in a field talking and walking around and picking up bottles. I don't know what they were doing. Picking up trash. And he drove right to them. Got out of the car. And they were mortified. The part that's maybe not silly but weird to me as a child is, even as a child, as young as I was, I could tell when he pulled up and got out of that car and walked up to them, they were terrified of him. He wasn't armed, at least I don't think he was. And he walked up to them, and he talked, and he shook his finger, and had a few words, and they nodded in agreement. And then he turned around and went back to his car and sat, and we listened to some music and waited, and he goes, your mom ought to be done now. And we drove back. Now, while we're sitting there waiting, every unseen person in the area that was there picking up bottles, trash, whatever out of this overgrown parking lot, maybe it was where kids hung out and they were picking up tin cans, I don't know, they all disappeared. And when I say they disappeared, they faded away. They were gone. And we sat there and listened to a couple songs on the radio, and then we left. And my mom got in the car at the doctor's, and my granddad said, how'd it go? And, you know, small talk. And she said, oh, everything's great, just a checkup, everything's all right. She had a little cyst on her wrist, and, you know, she was getting it looked at, and it was okay. And he said, good, and everything's great. He goes, I went up there and took care of that, and they won't bother you anymore. And he wasn't kidding. We never saw any of them 
ever again. Until the attack on my neighbor, about ten years after that, they had come through our area again and bothered a neighbor. But the minute they realized that we were there, they ran away. They did come back and check on us a couple times, but then we never saw them again. Once we kept confronting them, they went away again. I don't know if my mom sent my granddad or another relative to talk to them again, or if they were just checking to see if we could still see them, which was plainly obvious when my mom interacted with them. I don't know. I know that was the last time I ever saw them. So the question needs to be begged and asked. Are they gone? Did they fade away into the passages of time? Or can I not see them anymore? Remember, I am only half of my mom's family. My father couldn't see them, so I don't know. But what I do know is, every time I'm out, and I smell certain smells or see certain things, my eyes get drawn to park benches, to alleyways, to dumpsters that nobody else looks at. And I always think I see a black suited man or a hem of a dress diving back behind the garbage cans and dumpsters, the benches, the trees. Out of my sight, I'm not sure. But I know they didn't want to mess with my granddad. That's for sure. And that's my story about the unseen among us. Maybe you know something about them too. Maybe you've seen them in your journeys. I'd be curious to know. So if you have, let me know. Until I see all of you again, please have a most blessed day. and It's been a wonderful year. We're starting to get into the holidays. We're going to have a great time. Lots of fun, relaxing massage and holiday videos coming up. Stay tuned. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for ASMR Tirar de Huello. Please take a moment to share, rate, and review this podcast. It really does help. If you are interested in additional ASMR content, you may view our library of videos at youtube.com slash Tirar de Huello. The theme song, Atlantis, is by Jason Shaw of Audionautics.com and 
is used by permission. Correspondence, including questions or requests, may be sent to tirardehuel at gmail.com. On behalf of Dr. Andrew Michaels, thank you.